Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome to our study of Proverbs, and today we are finishing up, Lord willing, uh, chapter chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse 9 and read through the rest of the chapter, all the way to verse 22. We're going to show how it all kind of fits together, and then what's the conclusion to uh, what happens if we devote our lives to, to gaining wisdom and also to avoiding evil influences. All right. Let's read uh, verse 9. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. All right, well, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this wonderful chapter in the book of Proverbs. Thank you for the time that we've had in, in learning what is written. And I pray, Lord, for myself, for those who have studied this passage with me, that you would give us grace, that it would not just be in our head, but that it would be a reality in our lives. Lord, I pray especially for the young people. Please, Lord God, in these troubled times, not knowing the future, please strengthen them with grace. Make them a great generation. Lord, cause them to so far surpass my generation. Cause them to go on with you, to know you, to serve you. That You would do great and mighty things through them. Lord, please help them, protect them, watch over them, guide them. And give them, Lord, above all things, a heart, a special love for your dear son. Help us, Lord, in the conclusion of this chapter. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're looking primarily here at verses 20 through 22. Let's read them again. Um, So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Now, this passage, of course, needs to be interpreted in the context of all of chapter 2. So 
What do we have in chapter 2? First of all, in verses 1 through 11, we have the pursuit of wisdom. That you and I must not be apathetic. We must not just, you know, think that the Bible, you know, put the Bible under our pillow and think it's going to seep into our head. We must work. We must go after wisdom for what it is. The most precious commodity. God's wisdom is life. And having come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we should seek out the word of God and seek to obey it. Okay? Now, but not only do we need to pursue wisdom, but also in verses 12 through 16, we need to avoid evil influences. You know, I always tell my children, it doesn't matter if you take a bath 10 times a day, if every time you get out of the bath, you go and dirty yourself in a mud hole. So you could be in the word an hour, two hours a day, and most people are not. But you live in a world, a fallen world, and most of us are awake for at least 16 hours a day. And in those 16 hours, the world is constantly pressing upon us. And people in your life, as you grow older, especially when you leave the protection of your mother and father in your home, you're going to have many, many people who press on to you to walk away from the path of life and to walk in what promises to be a path of life, but it contradicts the word of God and it turns out to be a path of death, of ruin, destruction. And so, so we need to do these two things. We need to study the word of God and apply it to our lives, train ourselves in the word, but we also need to avoid evil influences. And for a second, I want to, well, we've talked a lot about studying God's word and we've got many more chapters to go and many times we'll touch on this theme. But I want to look at just for a minute before we go into our text, the really the need to emphasize that we separate ourselves from from evil influences. I just want to look at a few verses. Look, first of all, in Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You want to be wise? Walk with wise men. Walk with wise women. Now, one of the problems is that young people today, there's this wasn't always the case, but there's this thing called, you know, a generation gap. And then there's these ideas that young people should be with young people. Well, here's the thing that here's the problem with that. When you're around people that are just like you at the same level, spiritually, intellectually, which if you're young, that would be a level of immaturity, then you're constantly surrounded by other immature influences. Now, they may be great friends. But if you're all, the only thing you're doing is running around with other 10-year-olds or other 16-year-olds, it's going to be very hard to grow in wisdom. What the scriptures teach us is that, that young men should spend a great deal of time with older men so that they learn wisdom. That younger women should, should do the same thing, should spend time with older women. And young men can spend time with older women and young ladies with older men in the sense of being tutored, of learning of learning to be wise. You know, in media today, anytime you see some sort of family drama, it seems like the, the kids know more than the parents. The parents are kind of foolish about the ways of the world and they really don't understand. But that's simply not true. That's just some tool of the devil in order to, to make us believe something that's actually very, very dangerous. If you want to be wise, then you must 
hang around. There's nothing wrong with hanging around with your friends that are 10 and 12, just like you. If you want to be wise, hang around with wise men who know the Word of God. Wise women who know the Word of God. So he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, he doesn't, he doesn't walk like they walk or they counsel him to walk. There's going to be constant voices and constantly people counseling you to walk in a way that's contrary to the Bible. And you must shut them out. They do not stand in the path of sinners. They do not sit in the seat of scoffers. Some people believe that, like I've said, there's kind of a, a gradual decline here. First of all, they are, they're, they're walking in the counsel of of the wicked. You know, sometimes they're walking like that. Sometimes they walk away. Then they're standing in the path. They they found their home in the very path of the sinners. It's gotten a hold of them and become a part of their life. And now they've joined the sinners. And then finally, they sit in the seat of scoffers because the wicked will always mock the righteous. They always hate the righteous. They're always judging the righteous. They're always trying to find flaws in those who seek to follow God so that they feel better about themselves. You do not want to join this kind of of people who themselves are contrary to the will of God and that are constantly slandering and judging and, and examining those who, though fallible, are sincerely trying to follow God. Don't don't hang around with that type of person. First Corinthians five nine. Paul said, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. That doesn't mean that when you become a Christian you should if your family's unbelieving or your friends are unbelieving, that you walk away from everybody. It certainly doesn't mean you join a monastery or some group that lives up in the mountains somewhere, cut off from civilization. That's not what it means. But it means something very simple. Be very, very careful that you do not enter in relationships, enter into relationships with immoral people in the sense that they begin to influence you. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now in 1 Corinthians 5.9 and 1 Corinthians 15.33 and in the next verse, 2 Corinthians, all written to the, the church in Corinth. And Corinth was known as an exceedingly wicked city. As a matter of fact, Corinthianize, to Corinthianize was a synonym for sinning. It meant to sin. It was such a sinful people and a sinful Place. And so Paul is telling them, he says, he says, don't associate with immoral people, especially those who profess faith in Christ and yet walk in a way that's contrary to his word. And then he says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's not a case of if it's a case of when you hang around bad company. It's going to corrupt you. You know, if I pour dirty water into clean water, the dirty water doesn't become clean. The clean water becomes dirty. It's always the case. Or if I tell you, look, here's a glass of water. Are you thirsty? And you say, oh, wonderful. I'm very thirsty. Thank you. And I say, before you drink it, just know this. It is 99% pure. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, 1% of it is venom. Are you going to drink it? Well, not if you're wise. In the same way, realize that, that, that good, that bad company, bad fellowship, causes bad influences that will corrupt you. 
Yes, in, in my life I've had to make decisions over the years that there were certain people that I was not going to associate with because they didn't make me want to love God more or be more obedient to God. They actually drew me away. And there are things that can even be good things. Like, like let, let me give you an example. Um, loving to exercise or loving the outdoors or hunting or, or some sort of sport, that's not bad in itself. But you know it can become a corrupting influence if it begins to take control of your heart and pull you away from the things of God. And sometimes you can have hobbies and things and, and they help you. They're, they're a blessing. But if they start to begin to have more importance to you or have a competing importance with Christ in the kingdom, and sometimes you have to do radical surgery and cut them off. Maybe not forever, but for a while. Till you get control of things. Now, 2 Corinthians 6.14 is the last verse that we'll look at where Paul says to again to the same group, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Now, this is translated many translations, literally, I wish it was here, do not be unequally yoked. Now, in Peru, I saw this. There were places where they still plowed with oxen and the yoke was rather large and it was made out of wood, inflexible wood and iron. So it was this big uh, wooden bar that, uh, that moved this way so you could put, it went down like this in one section so a, a, an oxen could stick its head through and then it came up in another section and went down where another oxen could stick its head through and then an iron bar was across. And, and when those two oxen were put in that yoke, they did not have, in a sense, separate identities anymore. I mean, one could only go where the other one was going, and the stronger one always would win. Now, I want you to see, that's what it's saying here. We should have, here I am yawning, <laughs> we should have relationships with people who aren't Christians. Absolutely. Uh, we should be kind and loving and sacrificial and be blessing all men. Yet at the same time, when you realize you're in a relationship and that relationship is beginning to have a great influence on you, it's influencing you rather than you influencing the other person, it's time to walk away. These are not things you play with, young person. Be very, very careful. Now, don't be a mean-spirited person. Don't be unloving. Don't be judgmental. But know this. You're going to be like the people that are around you the most. I've said this, I think, a few times in this class that, that I grew a lot when I was a young Christian and it's not because I was some kind of special person. It's just that by God's grace, I was surrounded. I mean, surrounded by a bunch of young guys and girls that just radically followed Jesus. And I was caught up in that and protected by them. And, and so it, it's so true. So you, if you study the Bible all day long, but in your other time, you're sitting there being influenced not just by people who don't know the Lord, but by the internet, by television, by videos. Be very careful. Let's go on. If I can get through it, let's go on. Now, the result of gaining wisdom and, and avoiding an evil influences. What happens when we set ourselves to searching for wisdom and we set ourselves to avoiding those things that will make us well, the opposite of Christ-like. It says, you will walk in the way of good men. 
So it says in verse 20, you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. Now the word good, you will walk in the way of good men, denotes a state, I've written here, of moral well-being, of spiritual well-being. It will... These are men who their relationship with God is healthy, okay? And their, their, their walk, and their manner of life is also healthy. Every aspect of it, spiritually, um, psychologically, um, even physically. They may, they may suffer from some physical malady, but there's still a sense of wholeness in their person. The word also can denote a person who has something of a pleasantness about them. It's a person that's, that's agreeable, a person that is delightful. It's just an entire sense of spiritual health and well-being, of emotional, of moral well-being and health. So, so if you will follow God's word and pursue wisdom and you will avoid evil influences, then yes, it will improve your life. You will walk in the way of good men. But isn't that the case? I mean, you take someone, I think I used this illustration a couple lessons ago. You take someone who, who uh, is constantly uh, not eating good things, but constantly eating bad things. It's going to affect every aspect of their life. But if they start avoiding bad things and eating good things, they're going to become better all the way around. It's the same way. If you are feeding from the word of God and you're denying yourself the fast food of this world, the, the garbage of this world, you're going to be much more healthy spiritually. Now let's go on. He also says, and keeps to the path of the righteous. Now the word path here, um, denote, it, it comes from a verb that, that means to journey or to travel. And, and here's something that I really want you to understand. I know you're young, you're I don't know, 8, 10, 15, got your whole life ahead of you. But this life, it's, it's, it's a journey. And it's a fast one. Man, it seems like yesterday I was in the woods squirrel hunting, nine years old with my, my dog and my shotgun. Now here I am, almost 59. 50 years have passed. I don't even know where they went. And it's a journey. This life is a journey. And on this journey, you have to decide what path you're going to walk in. If you walk in the path of righteousness, what is that? You, you know, I've already told you a million times. It's the way marked out by God's word. Again, the, the Christian life is not complex. It's just looking at God's word. And seeking to conform our life to it. And the more we're in the Word, the more we're in prayer, the more that's going to happen. So if you will feed on the Word, pursuing wisdom, if you will avoid evil influences, not only will you walk in the way of good men, but you will keep to the paths of the righteous. Of the righteous. Of that long history of saints that have walked with God. And then they were no more because they... They went home to glory. And I can tell you this, you know, the older I get, the more I think about that. The, the greater portion of my life is past. And, and I'm not sad about that. Because my life is, well, my real life 
is, is still waiting to dawn. I remember, I can't remember, well, I can't remember exactly who it was, but there were two men that lived at the same time, and I think one was an atheist, the other was a Christian, maybe a Christian apologist, and they debated at times. And when the one was dying, the atheist, he basically said something like, and this is not verbatim, but, you know, my life is like a autumn leaf, you know, falls from the tree, crumbles, it is no more. I'm dying. But the Christian said, my light is going out. My light is going out because the sun is rising. The sun is rising. And so we're on a journey. We're on a journey. And, and you have to decide, not just every day, but every moment, what path you're going to take. Will you follow the Lord? Or will you go some other direction, some harmful, painful, disastrous direction? Now, let's go on. When we talk about paths, remember when I talked about the cattle path or the deer run in the woods? That when the cows walk down that path so many times, it's like an indention. I'm sure they can see it from, you know, a satellite in outer space. Um, that there's a path like that. For thousands and thousands of years, there have been men and women who have faithfully followed God. And don't you want to join in that? Now, now let me make this clear. We end up in eternity in God's presence, not because of our ability to walk some path, um, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And we rest in that. But resting in that and having our full assurance in his work, we do want to walk in the paths of the righteous. And there's such a history. You know, you can read Hebrews 11. I would recommend that, you know the roll call of the faithful, and to have your name there, that you too walked with God and you walked in his path. Uh, there's two passages, um, well, I guess more than two, to come to mind here. Um, look at Proverbs, uh, what we have here, Proverbs chapter 2. Look at verse 21. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Now, the upright and the blameless, you say, well, I'm not always upright and I'm certainly not blameless. But those are words describing those who have believed God and the salvation and their righteousness is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And and even though they're not perfect, they are distinct. They do. They do seek to walk in the paths of righteousness. And they, they do seek to be blameless before God in their character. And, and when they do um, sin, they, they don't put forth a pretense. They don't make excuses. They don't hide. Um, they're transparent. They live a life of confession and trust and rest in the perfect work of Christ on their behalf. And it says they will live in the land now, you know, Israel was given the land and um, they were also warned, though, that if if they broke covenant with their God, if they turned to idolatry, if they fell into wickedness, that the land would actually vomit them out, that they would be judged and thrown out of the land. Now, for us as Christians, we're not talking about a piece of land somewhere, but we're talking about eternity. We're talking about the full inheritance of all the promises of God. We're talking about eternal life. 
that those who trust in Jesus Christ, they have eternal life and, and they will dwell in the land. The, the meek shall inherit the earth, as Jesus said, the new heaven and the new earth. But look what it says about the wicked. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Um, just the other day, um, I was digging up, a, I don't know, a bush or something, had a tap root that went down the middle about two feet. And I was doing it until about nine o'clock at night, couldn't see. And uh, it was rooted in there and it was it was hard to get it out. But when I finally hit that tap root and cut it with the axe, it came out. And I pulled it out and I threw it in the wheelbarrow and then I threw it away. And, and one day the wicked will be, no matter how deep they've dug themselves in, they will be ripped out of the land and they will be no more. Now, let me give you a few verses that um, about following that long train of men and women throughout history that have believed God that have obeyed God, that have entered into their eternal glory. Proverbs 2, 21, 22, uh, we've just read. Now let's go to Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter into the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Here again, you know, God is always giving his people this contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And here, it just gets brighter. Um, as I've grown in the Lord, I see so much more of his promises, of his perfect work on our behalf in his son, on, on the security of those promises in his son, of a clear vision of what awaits those who believe in his son and follow him. And, and I want to encourage you in that. If, if you've had any joy in Christ, any encouragement and as a young person, you say, yes, God saved me. And, and so there's so many times when, when I have a sense of his joy. Just know this, that even on this earth, as you grow, you're going to see more and your joy will increase, even in the midst of sorrow and trials. Now, another passage that um, I'm going to end with, with one of my favorite passages. It's kind of, I don't know, it's like, uh, you expect these words to come out of some, I don't know, Roman soldier or Spartan or something. But it's found in Romans 2, 7 and 8. And Paul says this to those who by perseverance in doing good. Seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But for those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. Again, we see two things here. And it's not talking here about salvation through works. That's not what it's saying. But that the unbelieving, they live in a state of selfish ambition. They don't seek to obey God or submit to God or to honor God. And, and their future is a future of wrath and righteous indignation from the throne of God. But for those who believe, if you truly believe in Christ, and again, we're not talking about perfectionism. We're not talking about um, anything like that. We're just saying that those who have believed in Christ, they have a new heart and a new direction. And it says here that by perseverance in doing good, they seek for glory and honor and immortality. Uh, you know, 
you hear about, you know, Roman soldiers and Spartans seeking for glory and honor and immortality. But in such a false way, in such a man-centered way. But we as Christians, we don't we don't just obey. We don't just follow. We don't just suffer. We don't just serve. But we do so with this great hope of one day entering into glory, honor, immortality, and eternal life. You know, an Olympian will train two decades to get a, I don't know, a gold medal that's not even gold and a moment of fame that is quickly forgotten. But we, we're, we're striving for eternal reward and eternal glory that never fades. It just keeps getting greater. And, and young person, please, I know you're young, but I don't care how young you are. It's time to serve the Lord. If you're a Christian, if you've trusted in Christ, devote your life to him. And that's not going to necessarily mean you're going to be a missionary like I was or now a preacher or you're going to go off to the foreign field. God may call you to be a doctor, a teacher, so many things, a carpenter, policeman. But whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or any other thing, come on, <laughs> do it for the glory of God. And like Paul says here in my my verse, for glory, honor and immortality. All right. Well, hopefully next time we will start in chapter three. And I can assure you, chapter three has some beautiful passages in it. And hopefully uh, they will be the catalyst to help us grow in wisdom and in conformity to Christ. God bless you, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.